0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this
1: Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. Honored to be filling in this evening for Tony and thank you for making Washington Watch part of your day. All right, coming up on today's program, reports now indicate that Israel and Hamas could be nearing a deal for Hamas to release some Israeli and international hostages in exchange for Palestinian prisoners during a brief pause in the war.
2: My team is kind of the region shuttling between capitals. uh, We're now very close, very close. Uh, We could bring uh, some of these hostages home very soon. But I don't want to get into the details of things because nothing is done until it's done. Well,
1: of course, that was President Biden speaking to reporters earlier today, and I can assure you we will continue to monitor this development. Also in the Middle East, Iran-backed militias continue their surge of attacks on U.S. troops that are stationed in the region.
3: U.S. forces have been attacked approximately 66 times since October 17th. 32 separate times in Iraq, and 34 separate times in Syria. U.S. personnel have sustained approximately 62 injuries, but this does not include any injuries from last night's attack, as they are still being evaluated.
1: And that was Pentagon Deputy Spokesperson Sabrina Singh updating reporters earlier today. Well, why can't the Biden administration formulate some sort of coherent response to all these attacks? I'll be speaking in just a few moments with Texas Congressman Keith Self about that. And speaking of being incoherent, why has the Pentagon now sent letters to service members inviting them to return after they were driven out of the Army due to the COVID jab mandate? Liberty First Institute represented so many of these service members in their battle for religious exemptions from the vaccine mandate and First Liberties Mike Berry will be joining me a little later in the program to discuss this. And Samaritan's first president and CEO, Franklin Graham, recently returned from Israel, where he visited scenes of brutal destruction inflicted by Hamas terrorists. But he also had the opportunity to pray with and minister to suffering Israelis, including Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu.
4: Israel is God's people, the Bible tells us that. And so it's clear. And the, the the devil wants to destroy this nation, wants to destroy the Jewish people. And he's tried over and over and over to do that. Uh, we're not going to let him do it. No, oh, sir. Was-
1: of course, that was Franklin Graham during his meeting with the Israeli prime minister. And he will be joining me a little bit later in the program to talk about that trip and that meeting. Lastly, when Chinese President Xi Jinping met with President Biden last week in California, stopping the flow of fentanyl into the United States was top of the agenda. The president believes he made some progress in this regard.
2: So the United States is going to seek to work together with China to target the fentanyl components. As a result of our recent diplomacy, China's already taken steps to shut down companies dealing in uh, dealing in illicit trade of precursor chemicals. We're now, uh, and, and we're not just going to trust what this, this is happening. We have to verify it. And that's going to save lives, like we believe.
1: Of course, that was President Biden again earlier today. But given China's history of disregarding international agreements, what can we really expect from all of this? I'll be talking about that with China expert. Gordon Chang, who in fact has a new book out entitled China is Going to War, which we'll also be discussing as the program unfolds today. So we've got a packed show for you. The website, as always, is TonyPerkins.com in case you miss any portion of today's program. You can catch it there. You can also catch archives of previous programs as well as a lot of resources. So be sure to visit TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump into the issues of today. As violence against U.S. troops stationed in the Middle East continues to surge, the Biden administration has responded with absolute some sort of incoherent strategy that has a lot of military officials frustrated. And not to mention, his plan has not even stopped the attacks. Since mid-October, Islamic militias have uh, launched approximately 66 different assaults on U.S. troops. They've used rocket fire and one-way drones and, and other means. And the anemic response from the Biden administration has military officials literally questioning the president's commitment to protecting U.S. personnel. But, of course, Democrats want you to believe that all is well.
5: President Biden, frankly, is doing what he should do, focusing on leading and on governing putting us in a stronger place on the world stage, deterring Iran, deterring Putin, standing by our close allies, and then here at home, delivering the results that we've already gotten done. Well,
1: that was Democrat Senator Chris Coons earlier today on MSNBC's Morning Joe. Well, is the president really doing all he should be doing? Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Keith Self. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee as well as the House Committee on Veterans Affairs. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Self, always great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch.
5: Thank you, good to be here, Jody. All
1: right, well listen, before we discuss the attacks, uh, let's go back to the hostage situation between Israel and Hamas. Are you hearing any uh, updates on that? Where do we stand right now? in regard to a possible pause in the fighting and release of hostages?
5: Well, I'm not hearing anything other than what you are, but uh, I have to tell you, Israel needs to be very careful with any long-term pauses, because Hamas will use those pauses, those, uh, those pauses of any length to rearm, resupply and consolidate their position. Israel needs to be very careful. I understand they're under a lot of pressure from the world, uh, but they need to be careful. They need to monitor Hamas during those pauses.
1: Yeah, and it's not just Hamas. I mean, as you say, the entire world, I would expect the U.N. and other, uh, I mean, the nations all over are probably going to escalate the pressure on Israel not to reengage the war against the Hamas terrorists. So this is going to be a very interesting development, and I know we're going to be keeping our pulse on it for sure as I'm sure uh, you likewise will be doing. All right, let's talk about some of the attacks on U.S. uh, military personnel. We've got Iran-backed militias that are attacking. Uh, The administration seems to be very anemic in their response. In your opinion, uh, what is this administration conveying by the weak response?
5: They continue to convey absolute total weakness on the world stage. Since the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, that's all they have shown on the world stage. And the world continues to take advantage of it. Uh, I will remind you again, we've had this conversation. When one contractor was killed under President Trump, he killed the number three man in Iran, Soleimani. Uh, We need to go back to deterrence, understanding what deterrence is. They need to understand that we can do whatever we want to. We can target them. We need to convey that to them and we need to uh, make sure that we deter this sort of action. Uh, this weak response, this weak re- reaction after the fact, has got to stop. We have got to send the message that we can target whoever we would like to target and deter to deter any future action.
1: Uh, absolutely. And strength is what uh, communicates to these people and uh, I agree. I, we, you know the the response from this administration has not even slowed down the attacks against us personnel to the extent that we have military officials questioning the president's commitment to our own personnel I and mean, something definitely needs to change. but I know you also are wanting to see some economic responses. Uh, tell us about the resolution that you've introduced uh, and how that could potentially be a big benefit.
5: Well, frankly, the Biden administration has not held Iran accountable. Uh, $6 billion for five hostages, $10 billion, uh, released because they gave some electricity to Iraq, the $60 billion that we know they've gotten from uh, oil sales to China when we simply have not enforced our sanctions, on and on. So these five airlines are basically the distribution center uh, for terrorist a- uh, uh, equipment around uh, to the Iranian uh, surrogates. We need to stop this, and we need to encourage our European allies to stop this, because this is simply a distribution system that Iran uses to get their equipment around to their terrorist surrogates. I'm encouraging the Europeans, and I think there's like 24 airports uh, that uh, that this would target, that this would impact. And I think they need to step up and join our sanctions on Iran and actually enforce them.
1: Yeah, that's a brilliant idea, a uh, brilliant resolution, uh, Congressman Self. And I Uh, You know, I think most people are not even aware that these type of airlines are used in that capacity. So uh, great for you to recognize that and take lead on it. Uh, If we can't transition, we've just got a few minutes left, but Congress is going to be returning to Washington, of course, after the Thanksgiving break. What do you think uh, we can expect as it relates specifically and some otherwise, uh, uh, but specifically to uh, aid to Israel?
5: Well, as you know, uh, Chuck Schumer stood on the ball in front of 290,000 mainly Jewish uh, citizens and promised to do whatever we needed to do to give them what they needed in this fight. And hours later, uh, every Democrat senator voted against our $14.3 billion aid package to Israel. Uh, Go explain that to the American people. Uh, so I don't know what the speaker has in mind, but I know that we will once again take up uh, an aid supplement to Israel. And I expect us to do it fairly quickly.
1: Man, that would be great. Uh, and I know you've got a lot of other things on your plate when you return. So I'm sure we'll be talking to you as this unfolds with the appropriations bills and so forth. But final question, final topic for you before I let you go here. Of course, you're a veteran, and thank you so much for your service, Congressman. Uh, but we we saw the uh, reports that the Army has sent letters to former soldiers who were kicked out of the military for rejecting the COVID jab mandate. Uh, what do you know about this? And by inviting them back to the military, what does that say, perhaps, in regard to their recruitment goals not being met?
5: Well, they're not meeting their goals. But I have some questions internally to that letter, Jody. It says you may request, you may be uh, be given. Uh, there's not a guarantee, there's not surety in that letter that you're going to have your records changed. I would be very cautious, and I understand they've basically got very few people who've taken it up. Who would trust this government after being thrown out of the military for simply standing up for your religious right? Uh, who would trust this government to go back in? especially the way the Biden administration treats the military. Uh, But I have some real questions about the internal specifics in that letter. I'm not sure they guarantee anything.
1: Well, that's a really good point. I missed that. I'll be very honest with you. I missed that uh, May uh, part. So that's a a good observation. Are you hearing from uh, other service members how they are receiving the letter? Do they have the same question marks that you have?
5: I've heard nothing about the letter, and frankly, that's what I would expect. I don't think many people are going to respond to it, Jody, to be honest with you.
1: Well, Congressman Keith Selfs, thank you so much for your incredible service to our country and your continued service in Congress. We're grateful for you taking time to join us this evening on Washington Watch.
5: Thank you, Jody. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, my friend. All right. stay tuned after the break we're going to dig deeper into these letters that have been sent to former soldiers uh, that were separated from the military due to their refusal to take the covid jab and that mandate. Uh, First Liberty was right on the tip of the spear of that issue. Mike Barry with First Liberty will be joining me. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break.
3: Get this free guide at frc.org/slash prolifemen to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
1: Well, welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, sitting in this evening for Tony. Glad to have you joining us. All right, as the U.S. military struggles to meet its recruiting and retention goals, the U.S. Army is inviting former soldiers who were driven away from service over the COVID jab mandate to return to the military. Well, is this a sign that the woke political activism within the military is somehow receding? And are there any kind of legal implications uh, that this could have for future military mandates? Joining me now to discuss this is Mike Barry. He's the uh, vice president of external affairs, the director of military affairs, and the senior counsel at First Liberty Institute he not only fought on behalf of our nation's finest, he has also proudly served our nation himself. Mike, welcome back to Washington Watch, and thank you so much for your service. Well, thanks for having me.
6: It's great to be back with you.
1: It's always great to have you. All right, well, tell us a little bit about the, these letters to former service members. Is this um, uh, what, what, What's your take on this?
6: Well, my take, Jody, is that in order to have an all-volunteer military such as ours uh, that is going to function and work as it's supposed to, it requires trust. And trust has always been a two-way street in the military. Uh, and But unfortunately, for the past few years, and, and our military leadership has done nothing but shatter that trust. And when that happens, you end up with uh, – Here, People leaving the military in droves, Uh, the mothers and fathers of America telling their kids they don't want them to join the military, even if they themselves are veterans. And you have service members and veterans across the country who no longer feel that they can trust the military to be an organization that is going to protect our country and to do what's best for the troops. And that's what we're seeing now. And, And they're begging people to come back now and saying, oh, we got rid of the vaccine mandate. Well, guess what, Jody, the, the people that I work with and I've represented, they say, look, you've already, you know, fool me once, shame on you, right? Fool me twice, shame on me. And and it's thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, yeah. First Liberty warned the DOD about this when we sued the Navy on behalf of our Navy SEALs. And we said, if you go down this path and you continue to dig in your heels as you have uh, and entrench yourselves, you're going to lose our military and they're not gonna trust you, and you're gonna have a recruiting and retention crisis, and we're gonna face a real threat to our national security, not one that's made up like COVID, and, and, you, and those chickens are now coming home to roost.
1: They certainly are, and I think you hit the nail right on the head with that. I don't know if you were, were able to hear, but uh, we just had Congressman Keith Self on, and he actually brought up the same issue that this has developed an enormous lack of trust But he brought up that even the letter itself says you may be reinstated, you may have your record cleaned or whatever. But even the letter itself does not offer any kind of guarantees as these uh, military personnel are theoretically, at least, uh, being invited to reenlist. That just further throws lack of trust on a fire that's already there, doesn't it?
6: Yeah, I mean, you could—I could say it better myself. You know that, that these letters that were uh there's no There's no admission of wrongdoing, right? There's no accountability. Uh, it's the first thing that you that you learn in the military is that if you do something wrong, especially if you were an officer, as I was, uh, the the response is always no excuse, sir. You know that that uh, I own up to whatever the error was, whatever the mistake was, uh, whether it was me or somebody who was under my responsibility, Uh, it's ultimately the buck stops with me. And you're not seeing that type of leadership from the Pentagon, from the Department of Defense. And and so people don't trust it. And they say, this letter says nothing. All it says is they want me to make myself available because they're worried about not meeting their recruiting numbers yet again. Uh, But it doesn't say anything about accountability. It doesn't say we made a mistake. We were wrong. We shouldn't have done what we did. And and that's because we all learned the hard way that the number one job of a bureaucracy is to perpetuate its own existence. It's not about accountability. It's not about accomplishing the mission. And in, in this case, it's not about protecting religious freedom, which is one of the things that our military exists to do. And that's why First Liberty had to file a lawsuit, is to say, you are violating, you are running roughshod over the Constitution. And I sure wish that our military leaders were as concerned with 100 percent Constitution compliance as they were with 100% vaccine compliance.
1: Well, we all owe a huge debt of gratitude to First Liberty for being on the chip of the spear for this issue. Uh, but Mike, your take then, uh, what I'm reading into this is the administration has not learned anything. They're not admitting any wrongdoing. Uh, they're not necessarily changing or shifting away from their woke policies. Uh, they're not saying there's not going to be any further mandates where religious liberties could be uh, attacked again, uh, religious exemptions ignored. Your take on this is nothing really is changing. Is that what I'm hearing?
6: That's exactly right. I don't think anything has changed. And I think the troops know that. Uh, Our our, our service members are not fools. They can see through this a mile away. They know what this is all about. This is all about uh, just trying to save face, trying to make sure that on paper, uh, our military is meeting its recruiting and retention numbers, but it has no, it's there's there's again zero accountability. Uh, there's zero integrity, and I'm unfortunately the service members who are relied upon to defend our nation. Uh, they're leaving in droves still, and and I think we're going to see another year, uh, if not longer, of our military failing to meet its recruiting goals, losing its best people. Uh, the people who are, have all the experience, you know, the Navy SEALs that we represented, there are 35 of them that we started off with. We turned it into a class action. Collectively, they have more than 300 years of service and more than 100 years of of combat experience. And you can't replace that kind of leadership, Jody. That's You can't go out and recruit that much combat experience, the, the, the type of experience that you earn through places like Fallujah. And, and and ramadi and uh Helman province of afghanistan and and those people are now leaving our military because they've lost that trust they no longer believe that military leadership has their best interest or even america's best interests at heart and so you know that's that's what happens when you start playing you know social experimentation and and woke politics with our military
1: wow well, it's chilling news, but it's not necessarily information that we didn't uh, suspect from this uh, administration. Mike Barry, thanks to you and uh, First Liberty Institute. All you do, all your leadership. We're grateful. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
3: All right, Happy friends, coming up after the
1: break, me. I'll be speaking with Franklin Graham, who recently returned from Israel. You don't want to miss that conversation, and it's coming your way right after this break.
0: Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs>
3: And
1: welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Great to have you joining us this evening. All right, while much of the world has probably moved on from watching Israel's war against Hamas in Gaza, I can assure you that the people in Israel remain shocked. They remain wounded, literally and physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually by the October 7th terrorist attacks. Of course, that's when Hamas murdered more than 1,200 innocent civilians, including children and elderly. Well, Samaritan's first president, Franklin Graham, recently visited Israel and witnessed firsthand the brutal destruction and carnage that was caused by Hamas. But we know that God can comfort the hurting. He can heal the wounded in any situation. And that certainly is our prayer right now for that region of our world. Joining me now to discuss what he saw and the work that his team is doing to provide support for those in need is Franklin Graham, president and CEO of Samaritan's Purse. Franklin, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Jody. Well, listen, you were recently in kibbutz there in southern Israel uh, that was destroyed literally from the terrorist attacks. Uh, tell us what you saw. What what did you experience there?
4: Now, well, I went to three different communities, uh, and these these communities today are are empty. Uh, the people have had to flee. Uh, they can't live that close to the border with the fighting, so they're in hotels throughout the country. So these are empty. How uh, the the Israeli armies in these communities. Uh, so saw a lot of them, but I, I saw the burned out houses. Uh, they took me to command centers to show me the video pictures uh, from just their surveillance cameras on that day, uh, what they did, just pick up truckloads of people coming across the border with heavy machine guns in the back of the trucks with soldiers or terrorists uh, that jump out and just shoot people on the side of the road and go on. And, uh, and then you meet people and talk to people that live through this and somehow Uh, escaped, but they lost loved ones. I met a woman whose husband was a a doctor, and they they, remember, they didn't know what was going on at 7.30 in the morning. They just heard some gunshots, and this uh, doctor said, uh, please come to the clinic, and so he runs to the clinic, which was maybe a block away, and uh, there he was shot. Uh, All the patients were shot. Hand grenades were thrown into the clinic. Uh, women were captured, uh, raped. Uh, one was raped. Uh, and while the man was doing this act, he takes a gun and shoots her in the head. And then things like cutting uh-huh. their breast off and throwing their breasts like, uh, like a football to each other. Uh, this is type, I've never witnessed brutality like this. And and the, some of the terrorists that were captured asked, well, "Why did you kidnap children? Why did you take children as hostages so that they could rape them?" And this is this is the it's like every demon in hell was was let loose, and it's had an impact not only on the nation, but uh, I think freedom-loving people around the world. Uh, it's had a huge uh, impact, and uh, I just uh, pray for these families that have lost their loved ones. I pray for the families who have loved ones down in those tunnels that were taken hostage. Um, one lady who lost her daughter, whose daughter was killed in that clinic, she said, I'm so glad my daughter is dead. He said, uh, she said, wow. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't know what to do if she was a hostage. I wouldn't know how to handle that. And, and that's but the just the, the fear that's in people's hearts. And I prayed with everybody, everyone I met with. I, I would quote old Testament scripture to them, and remind them of God's promises and His love, and uh, I would pray for them. I would say, you know, I'm a Christian, but is it okay if I pray for you? And they were so appreciative of prayer. The only one that can heal their hearts is God, and He's the God of all comfort. And I prayed for these mothers, for their children and loved ones that are down in those tunnels that are being held hostage. I said, God, they're not down there alone. God is there with them. And uh, we, we would pray. That God would put His loving arms around uh, those hostages, and that they would sense the presence of God as we prayed. And everyone was so appreciative of prayer. There's people are hungry spiritually. They they, they want, they don't have any answers. They're not getting answers from anyone. And when you pray for them, it it touches their heart, and they are so grateful that someone would just take a moment to have prayer with them.
1: Well, and that's what all of us need to be doing right now. I know we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I know you also met with the Prime Minister while you were there. Is there anything that you can share with us in terms of what you were able to share with him?
4: Well, first of all, I want to encourage him and, uh, and have prayer with him as well. And so we, we talked for a while, but then I asked him, Mr. Prime Minister, "Is okay, i pray for you. And he was very appreciative of that. And we prayed. And I just prayed that God would give him wisdom and strengthen him uh, and uh, guide and direct him uh, as they move forward here in these next few uh, few weeks and months. It's going to be very difficult, and uh, I just pray that God would just be with him and strengthen him.
1: And as we wrap up here, what would you say to our viewers and listeners across the country, fellow believers, as we pray for the Israeli people, how would you say that we need to focus our prayers? Well,
4: first of all, we're going to be working there for some time with these people. We're going to, we've got great teams on the ground helping those that are stuck in the hotels that are have no place to go. We're going to be there for some time. Just pray that our teams will be faithful to lift up Christ wherever we go.
1: Franklin Graham, thank you so much. And I encourage people to support the work of Samaritan's Purse there in Israel. We are deeply appreciative for all that you and your team are doing, and thank you so much for joining us today on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, friends, stay tuned. We've got more coming your way right after the break. But a moving time, I want to deeply and sincerely, I know my wife and I, we have supported the work of Samaritans First in Israel, I encourage you to do the same thing. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after the break.
3: Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
1: And welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. An honor to be sitting in this evening for Tony, and thank you for joining us as well. All right, as most of you know by now, Washington Watch, we uh, have oftentimes discussed Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville and his stand for life in reaction to the Biden administration's illegal military abortion travel policy. And you may have heard reports lately, and perhaps some rumors uh, that are certainly swirling around, that Democrats in the Senate are working on an end around to Senator Tupperville's hold on military promotions. So where do things stand as of right now? Well, joining me now for an update is Kena Gonzalez. He's a senior director of government affairs here at the Family Research Council. Kena, welcome back to the program. Good to have you.
7: Great to be with you, Jenny. All right. So uh, let's just
1: uh, bring us up to speed. Where do things stand right now with Senator Tuberville and what's happening in the Senate by some to put a stop to his hold?
7: That's right. Senator Tuberville is following through on his months-long promise to stand for life and to object to the Biden administration easily turning the military into an instrument of abortion and doing it unlawfully. And Coach Tuberville is doing it as he's uh, so wont to do at with a goal line stand. He's refusing to let the Biden administration easily nominate now dozens and now hundreds of military personnel uh, flag officers for high-level positions without an objection. They can be voted on one at a time but they cannot be passed through the Senate en masse without every senator agreeing, and Senator Tuberville is doing what Mr. Smith goes to Washington, shows this can be done. He's not agreeing, and he's holding uh, the Biden administration accountable. Right now, there is a move underfoot in the Senate to undercut his stand, to actually change the rules. By our accounting, this would upset precedent of over 100 years. Uh, So it's a pretty radical change in the Senate to change the rules and to go around Senator Tuberville's bold pro-life stand. And unfortunately, we're hearing that there are some Republicans who are ready to join the Democrats in changing the rules in order to enable the Biden administration to carry out its radical pro-abortion policy through the military.
1: Well, that was uh, really leads right into my next question for you. We would expect this type of uh, attempt from the Democrats to put a stop, to have an end around uh, what Senator Tupperville is doing. But you know I, a lot of us would expect some support for Senator Tuberville's stance from the Republican Party. You're saying there's some Republican senators, however, that are leaning towards uh, putting a stop to this and going along with the Democrats?
7: I think so. Uh, publicly, most Republicans are saying that they support Senator Tuberville, but quite a few behind the scenes are exerting a great deal of pressure on him to end his stance or to step down, to, spe- to send the special teams in, so to speak, and uh, to end his blockade of the Biden administration. So far, he's not, he's not given way, but um, every football fan knows that home field advantage matters. Every voice in the stands matters, and it's time for people to call and email their senators and let them know where they stand on this issue so that their senators will understand if they're Republicans, that they need to stand with Senator Tuberville. And even if one or both of your senators are Democrats, that they really should stand for the rule of law because this radical abortion policy by the Biden administration is actually against the law. It's unlawful, and even Democrats should be ashamed to support it.
1: Okay, so this brings us a last question that I have for you, and that is an action item for our viewers and listeners uh, right now uh, to contact their Senate offices uh, before the close for the holidays. Uh, So this is like immediate action that needs to be taken. Is there anywhere that people can find out where their senator stands on this issue uh, so they have a little bit more information as they're calling, or do you recommend they just call their offices?
7: Well, actually, if they go to attorneyperkins dot com and click on the link to urge their senators to stand for life, that will link them directly to a form that we have set up at FRC Action that will both tell them where each of their two senators stands and gives them the opportunity to contact those senators directly and urge them to stand for life and stand for the rule of law.
1: There you go, friends. Uh, Go to TonyPerkins.com. Uh, you will find out where your senator stands on this issue, and then we urge you with underscore, highlight, and exclamation point. Contact your senator's office today, ASAP, uh, and let them know that you stand for life. Uh, Kana Gonzalez, thank you so much for coming on the program and giving us an update on this critical issue. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
7: Happy Thanksgiving, Jody.
1: All right, friends, uh, very important information. We encourage you to step up to the plate and help us get involved here. All right, earlier today, President Biden touted the so-called important progress that his administration made last week to address the fentanyl crisis as a result of his meetings with the leaders of China and Mexico. And he said that he trusts, but will verify, that China is taking steps to stem the flow of this illicit drug coming out of their country. Last month, in fact, the Justice Department here announced eight indictments against Chinese companies and nationals for the production of trafficking these drugs. And I, I think the concerning part is, given China's history of flouting international agreements, the question begs itself, can we uh, expect real progress? as it relates to eradicating this deadly drug. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Gordon Chang. He's the distinguished senior fellow at the Gatestone Institute. He's the author of The Coming Collapse of China and the recently released China is Going to War, which we'll talk more about here in just a few moments. But you can follow him on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now X, under the handle at Gordon G Chang. Gordon, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Well, thank you so much, Jody, and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving to you as well. All right, before we discuss your latest book, which I most absolutely want to get into, I want to get your thoughts on the Biden administration's view of China's role in this whole fentanyl crisis. Uh, Here is an exchange from White House National Security Advisor John Kirby, Uh, something that he had, an exchange he had with a reporter yesterday, and I'd like to get your feedback.
7: The Chinese president's in charge of a single-party state. He's he's said in the past that he'd crack down on fentanyl and U.S. debts, hit an all-time record last year. I mean, is President Biden not going to consider him personally responsible if American debts do not go down? He has said he was going to be personally responsible for stemming the flow of these chemicals out of... China. And we're grateful for that.
0: All
1: right. So what do you think? What's your reaction? Well, this is the same John
2: Kirby who on Thursday last week actually said that Xi Jinping told President Biden that Xi does not want to see one more American death from fentanyl. But we got to remember that there were 70,000 deaths of Americans last year from illicit fentanyl, almost all that fentanyl from China. We know that these fentanyl gangs and these producers, um, they work in a near-total surveillance state, so the Communist Party knows what's going on. A lot of these producers are actually state-owned. We know that uh, the uh, diplomats, the Chinese diplomats, provide cover for the fentanyl producers. We know that they launder their proceeds through the Chinese state banking system. We know that Xi Jinping has made the same promise in 2018 to the Trump administration, he made the same promise to then Vice President Biden during the Obama administration, so you know I do hope that Xi Jinping has had a change of heart, but um, I don't think that we can count on that uh, by any means.
1: Okay, let's uh, let me get your response to this. Maybe a thirty thousand foot perspective that you have now that all the dust has settled, the reporting has settled down. I'd like your reaction to uh, Xi Jinping's U.S. visit and how President Biden handled the occasion.
2: Well, the visit, I I believe that uh, President Biden should not have met Xi Jinping. I mean, we've been talking intensively to the Chinese for more than three decades. And during that time, Beijing's behavior has only worsened. So I don't know what Biden could have said to the Chinese that hasn't been said before. Now, at his post-meeting press conference last Wednesday, Biden touted touted a lot of progress, But we got to remember that Xi Jinping was not standing next to Biden. And we also got to remember that there was no joint statement. So, um, yes, Biden can talk about progress all he wants, but the objective signs indicate that there were severe disagreements and Biden is not owning up to the American public what, in fact, probably happened.
1: Yeah, we had you on the program before that meeting, and you said this is a meeting that should not be taking place and uh, that's what I wanted to get your reaction. You still feel that way? Uh, let me, if I can, Gordon. I want to shift gears uh, and talk about your book as a provocative title. Quite frankly, China is going to war. Uh, why that title? What What are you What are you uh, what, what are you saying here?
2: Well, Xi Jinping can't stop talking about going to war. But it's more than just that. I mean, he is engaged in the biggest military buildup since the Second World War. He's stockpiling grain and other commodities. He's trying to sanction-proof his regime. He is surveying the U.S. for nuclear weapons strikes. He's cooperating with other bad actors like Russia and Iran in their war efforts. he's mobilizing China's civilians for war. So um, we can see what China is doing. You know, we can't look inside of Xi Jinping's head, but we see objective factors. And the problem is that Biden doesn't want to actually mobilize the United States in response. He's trying to cooperate with a regime that, unfortunately, doesn't want to share the planet with us. So we're in mortal danger right now.
1: And there's a lot of question marks about the readiness of our own military right now. And at the same time, you are one who is firmly convinced that China is capable of not only fighting in Asia, but also here on U.S. soil as well. Uh, So they have multiple conflict uh, abilities. Uh, What do we know about their strength and their ability? We know that the
2: Chinese military right now is going through a series of purges, um, maybe instituted by Xi Jinping, maybe by other parties. It's really a mess right now. The problem, though, is that even though China is not ready to go to war at this moment to launch, for instance, an invasion of Taiwan, um, the problem is Xi Jinping has domestic incentives to go to war. And he is engaging in provocative acts, especially in Second Thomas Shoal in the Philippines, that could very well lead to war. So we could find ourselves at war very quickly. And to address that first point of yours, we are seeing um, packs of Chinese males in groups of 5 to 15 of military age, traveling without family members, pretending not to speak English, coming across our southern border. And U.S. Border Patrol knows that some of them have links to the Chinese military. Remember that lab at Reedley, California, that a building inspector found this Chinese secret biological weapons facility? Well, we're just learning not only did it have 20 pathogens, it had Ebola there from all indications. And we know for sure that it had almost a thousand mice that had been genetically engineered to spread disease. So we got to worry that China has put in place the infrastructure to attack America from American soil. So when There's a war in Asia, which could very well happen at any time. Um, That war probably will be fought on American soil as well.
1: Yeah, very excellent point. You know, we talk a lot about uh, potential terrorists who have been able to freely come across the U.S. border in the South. But seldom do people really talk about uh, potential Chinese saboteurs. Uh, that have come across, and of course, I've been to the border many, many times, and I've seen things that make the hair on your neck stand up. Uh, so, the, of these Chinese who have crossed the borders, do we know anything about them? Are they they have ties, but are they part of the People's Liberation Army in, there in China?
2: Um, I think that they are either that, or the Ministry of State Security, or or some uh, regime affiliate. Um, Right now, um, we've got to be concerned because the objective factors point to um, a substantial number of Chinese saboteurs in our country. And the other thing we've got to be concerned about, Jody, is that the Biden administration doesn't seem to be particularly concerned. And it's remember, these are Chinese, but they're also um, Venezuelans and Syrians coming across our southern border in large numbers. And they are actually quite suspicious as well. And Iranian operatives actually operate in the U.S. right now. Matter of fact, some fairly low-level Trump officials, you know, they haven't been in office now for more than two years, they actually still have Secret Service protection because Iran's trying to assassinate them. So, you know, you've you've got all of this together at the same time, and that's the cause of grave concern for us.
1: Well, when when you think about... uh... Xi Jinping, he's certainly not a madman. He's very calculating. He's very shrewd. Uh, he he knows what he's doing. And this ought to be a very frightful situation for people as we consider all of this. Uh, or, do you think the Chinese people as a whole support him apparently being aggressive towards war? I don't think so.
2: And the reason is that there is uh, the Chinese people right now are in no mood for any foreign misadventure because um, they're suffering. Um, we see this because the economy seems to be contracting despite the numbers that come out of Beijing. Uh, people are unhappy in other ways as, uh, for other reasons as well. So you have a population right now that is really upset. You know, and it's not just Chinese saboteurs coming across. Everybody. Got about thirty Most seconds. Most of the cool. Chinese migrants are, are those who just have given up on their country.
1: All right. So, where can people get a copy of your book? Great stuff.
2: It, I guess any any bookseller. Um, and and well, the other thing is, I, I archive all my articles for free on my website um, because this changes so fast right now. We are seeing developments occur at an accelerating pace, and that is also. Um, giving cause for concern that uh, things can happen a lot faster than we
1: think. Gordon, we got to leave it right there. Thank you so much for joining us. Friends, that's all the time we have today on this edition of Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us. Keep the torch ablaze.
0: We'll see you next time here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.